that was just another point of cognitive dissonance for me where I was like, oh my God, how were both my mother and my wife, two people I love dearly, chronically ill while under the care of these so-called experts. And then when they step away from that system that said they would always be this way and instead decide to adopt a pseudoscientific, you know, quackery approach to health and they began to drastically heal with our approach, how is that possible? What else do I not know? So that sort of set off a, a journey of me going down the never-ending rabbit hole. Alex Zick is a speaker, writer, podcaster, and former U.S. Army captain. He is the executive director and founder of Health Freedom for Humanity, a nonprofit whose mission is to unite people from all walks of life under one common purpose, the reclamation and defense of health freedom. I really enjoyed this conversation with Alec, and a theme that ran throughout was the importance of authenticity and making choices that align with your authentic self, both to claim freedom in your life right here, right now, and as an antidote for the toxic cancel culture and totalitarian trends we're witnessing across the globe at this time. If you enjoy his message too, check out his organization at healthfreedomforhumanity.org. And as always, please take a moment to share this episode with those who you think could benefit from it. So I'd love to open the conversation with you um, describing your journey, your and your family's journey, um, coming to the understanding of health that you have now, because I think it's such a powerful story. Yeah, so... There's a lot of lot of context to sort through here, but I'll summarize it as best I can. Um, I grew up in a chaotic and abusive household, and my dad was sort of just repeating. Well, my dad and my mom both were repeating patterns they had learned from their parents and their upbringing that were very toxic. And uh, my mom was really codependent. My dad was very what I would have called narcissistically abusive. Although I I do. I do have a relationship with my dad now for really the first time in my life. And he has made amends on a lot of those things and, you know, changed some of his behavior and he's still on the, on the path, still some things, but he's, he's on the path of, of, of changing, right. He's on the inner journey, but wow. um, yeah, the uh, environment that I grew up in, like I said, was just so chaotic and I've actually blocked out a lot of my childhood because of that. But uh, because of the abuse that um, was imposed upon me and the neglect from my mom, because she was more codependent, focused on fixing my dad, I uh, learned to externalize my self-worth at a young age and was always seeking things outside of me to make me feel better because I felt like, for lack of a better term, a worthless piece of shit myself. And... My mom, um, in when I was in eighth grade, so I was around 14 years old, my dad went to rehab for a year. And while my dad was at rehab, my mom went to go see a psychiatrist just because of the dynamic of the relationship and all the just chaos in our family and the trauma and the abuse and everything. And my, when my mom went to go see the psychiatrist, of course, we assumed that this psychiatrist knew best and that she was the expert and that you know, we didn't think otherwise. Yeah. Most people don't. And the psychiatrist didn't discuss with her anything about her spiritual health or anything about the trauma um, itself or focus on any modalities to heal that 
didn't discuss with her anything in the realm of nutrition or anything that you and I and many of your listeners and viewers both know make us healthy, right? It was just simply a 15-minute discussion. And then this psychiatrist proceeded to prescribe her multiple benzodiazepines and SSRIs. And at that point, my mom, um, you know, her health was already in a really poor spot, especially mentally, emotionally, and, and spiritually. But these psychotropic drugs she was put on just made that worse by a lot. <laughs> um, over the course of the next 10 years, my mom was in and out of mental hospitals, had multiple suicide attempts, um, you know, would, would not leave her room for two weeks at a time, was hallucinating, wasn't eating. Uh, and for all intents and purposes, the, the, the mother that I knew previously was gone, like completely gone to the point that in 2016, we were discussing putting her in a long-term facility because of her mental state. And my siblings and I had already had several discussions, essentially coming to the conclusion that we should not get close with her because we would, it'd be too painful if she did succeed with one of the suicide attempts. And mm-hmm. you know, there'd be over the course of this 10 years, little uh, periods of time where she, her, her true self would show. And we we're like, Oh my God, she's back. And then a week later, back into this sort of psychotic mess and um so we we kind of you know came together and said that we we couldn't get too close with her because of um the potential harm it could cause us emotionally and we already had so much emotional and and spiritual and mental harm in some cases physical and by chance uh she was seeing a therapist in 2016 who was reading a mind of your own by dr kelly brogan and this therapist recommended to my mom that she go see Kelly in New York because at the time Kelly still had a practice, still had her license and she was practicing seeing individual patients in New York. And so my mom did as sort of a last resort thing. And after seeing Kelly, who at the time had you, you know, Googled her, you'd have found that she is a pseudoscientific quack that spreads misinformation and is causing harm to people. Uh, after seeing Kelly, my mom's health uh, began to change drastically. And it was simply just by adopting a holistic, natural approach to health that incorporated trauma healing, that incorporated somatic healing and incorporated, um, you know, a, a deep spiritual component, meditation, mindfulness, um, looking at food as not only a source of nutrition, but as, as medicine for the body and tapered her off all of her psychotropic medications. And then over the course of a few months, my, like I said, my mom's health began to drastically change and that led to us, uh, the, 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 the other piece of the story is the story of my wife. So we had just gotten married at the time when my mom began this transformation and nine years prior to that, my wife was diagnosed with lupus and rheumatoid arthritis, was under the care of multiple rheumatologists over the course of those nine years, chronically ill was told that she'd always be this way. We even had conversations that we'd never be able to have kids, that she'd probably end up in a wheelchair at some point in time, that her lifespan was gonna be shorter than mine. And, you know, she was on multiple immunosuppressive drugs that were just masking the symptoms or in some cases perpetuating or creating new symptoms that, you know, then led to her being on more pharmaceutical products. And after seeing my mom begin to heal, we decided to try the same approach with her and in a matter of three to four months, my wife had reversed all of her 
physical symptoms of uh, autoimmune conditions. And we went to go back to a rheumatologist because she was off all of her drugs, <laughs> feeling better than she had felt ever that she could remember, right? And we got her blood work, we got a blood work panel done on the inflammation levels in her body. And they were normal for the first time in nearly 10 years. And so that was just another um, point of cognitive dissonance for me where I was like, oh my God, how were both my mother and my wife, two people I love dearly, chronically ill while under the care of these so-called experts. And then when they step away from that system that said they would always be this way and instead decide to adopt a pseudoscientific, you know, quackery approach to health led by Dr. Kelly Brogan, who at the time and especially now was being slandered all over, you know, mainstream health community. And they began to drastically heal with her approach. How is that possible? What else do I not know? So that sort of set off a, a journey of me going down the never ending rabbit hole of everything pertaining to health. And then that led into, you know, the government and I was an officer in the army beginning in 2016. So right when I commissioned as an officer in the United States army, I began to wake up about the truth about nine 11 and all these other things. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it just sent me on this never ending journey. And then fast forward to 2020, I was afforded the opportunity from 2000, 18 through late 2019 um, to be in this program in the army called the U.S. Army World Class Athlete Program, where if you're on a U.S. national team for any of the Olympic sports, you do that full time. So not only was I going down this rabbit hole questioning everything, I had a job for almost two years in the army where I didn't have to actually do a traditional army job. I was training as an athlete. I never wore a uniform, was able to you know grow a beard and live a, a normal well, relatively normal civilian life in that I was training as a professional athlete. So I was distant from my army job. So that gave me even more time for introspection. That's when a lot of the mm. emotional, uh, spiritual trauma healing began for me. And after going through that process, um, in 2019 sort of culminated in me really no longer aligning with my previous life and realizing that was all facade that I was trying to maintain to seek external validation. And I, I just could not do it anymore, but there's still not a, there, there wasn't a situation in my life that sent me over the edge into that full authenticity where I would have left the army. Cause I was still even considering after having done that, okay, now that I know the truth about all these things and I know that I can no longer be inauthentic, what, do I really want to do? Do I want to go back to school to be you know, a physical therapist? That sounds interesting to me, an athletic trainer, maybe a chiropractor. But there's also these jobs in the army that, you know, as long as I'm not in a combat role, I have a religious accommodation for vaccines. So that, that box is checked. Then maybe I can still stay in this corrupt system. But then 2020 came, COVID hit. And that was the situation that I needed to push me even deeper into my authenticity. And as, as soon as that happened, I realized, nope, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. So I finished out my time in the army and began speaking uh, publicly about, you know, sharing on social media, my perceptions of the world. And I think it's because I had experienced abuse, manipulation, gaslighting, all of those things and healed it. I had seen the harmful effects of allopathic medicine and again, the gaslighting manipulation, obfuscation within that system. 
And I'd seen two people in my life that I love dearly step away from that system and begin to heal drastically. So when COVID hit, I was able to see through all of it so clearly, clear enough to where in February of 2020, before lockdowns, before masking or anything like that, I made a video saying that this would no doubt be used for mandatory vaccines for all people. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, that's that's what came about. Maybe you could argue that I unfortunately helped manifest that reality, which that's a whole separate conversation of what we should be focusing <laughs> on. But but the point is, yeah, that's that's my journey. And it's like, I didn't wake up one day and say, yeah, I really want to do this. Life led me to this position. And mm-hmm. I know that you know this work that I'm doing, whatever you want to call it, medical freedom advocacy, health advocacy, just sharing my authentic perceptions and helping other people do the same is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's it's really important. Yeah, 100%. Like, as you were telling your story, <clears throat> it's just so amazing how you had these two different perspectives. You know, it would have been, I think, pivotal enough for you if it had just been your mom or just been your wife. But to see it both from the mental illness side and from the autoimmune disease, it must have been really powerful for you. And um, what I wanted to know is that when your mom first started going down this holistic journey, were, what was your and your siblings' reaction to it? Were you immediately on board? Were you so desperate that you were willing to try anything? Um, did you think it was silly? I can't speak for my sister, or my uh, my two brothers, but I can say for me that um, I sort of looked at it like, oh my God, here's another thing. Because mm-hmm. there was a period of time where she tried, you know, wheatgrass and started implementing some, looking back in hindsight, some holistic slash natural approaches to this. But I sort of looked at it like, oh, here's just another thing she's going to try that's not going to work. I'm not going to get my hopes up. But then, yeah. you know, she began to drastically heal for the first time ever. And it, you know, rocked my world. And then implementing it with my wife just solidified that. So it was just like, I can't not see it this way. It, there's, there's my own observations and experiences are telling me that allopathic medicine while great for emergency and acute care and, 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 you know, some specific surgeries, and that's, that's a whole nother rabbit hole of the necessity of some of them. I had one myself. I have two screws in my shoulder and knowing what I know now, I would have never had it. But the point is outside of emergency acute and then some surgeries, allopathic medicine in my mind is worthless. And I, and I've seen the results of it in my own life, both, like you said, on the autoimmune side of things, and then also on the, the mental health side of things. And then you know, after you go down those rabbit holes, you start opening up other rabbit holes and how even like the vaccine industry connects to all those. And that's another aspect of allopathic medicine. And then going even deeper into the germ theory of disease. And there's just, it's, it's just, it's crazy when you literally live it. And then you come across thousands of other people who have the exact same story or a very similar story of being harmed by that system, stepping away from that system, healing, speaking out about how they've healed just to try to help other people. And then they are slandered as, you know, a, a pseudoscientific quack that's spreading misinformation. And then you really start to see, ah, the system is set up this way intentionally because they know how powerful it is to step away from their system. And they know that once you step away from their system, they can't control you. So they try to control the perception of you publicly. Yeah. Well, I mean, to me, it's just <laughs> ludicrous that treating a human being holistically, consisting of a mind, a body, a soul, and addressing health from all of those aspects and by 
addressing true health, not just trying to fix issues with pills. Like I still can't believe that people don't see the value in it and that doctors like Kelly Brogan, who take that approach, are so slandered. Isn't it so weird, right? Like it's like intuitive. It's, it like, like I really don't... <laughs> feels just crazy when you look at it. Um, it really but it is. also, you know, it just brings to mind the fact that most things that work really well are um, ridiculed at first and they are talked of as though they're crazy. And then slowly over time, it becomes accepted as fact. So hopefully we are moving in that direction where more and more people are waking up to this and starting to realize that you can't just fix things by piling on more and more medication. Yeah. And interesting point you bring up there too, is that like this, you could consider this a new idea, like relatively new idea, but that's only relative to the past a hundred years of, exactly. of modern medicine, because like Ayurveda, traditional Chinese medicine, or, you know, other forms of tribal and indigenous medicine is fundamentally holistic or natural approach to health. And those are deeply deeply rooted in ancient history so yeah it's like what we're doing is taking the past 100 plus years in the proliferation of disease and all these new diseases that have popped up and yes maybe our longevity which i still question whether that's even true relative to 200 300 400 years ago whether we're actually truly living <laughs> longer but because that's always the argument presented but i'm like yeah we're living longer even if you want to say that that is true are we living a complete life? Are we living whole? Are we actually living? Or are we just existing longer? Because if we're 50 years old and we have multiple autoimmune conditions, we're chronically ill, we can't see, we you know have multiple joint replacements and we're miserable, is that really living? I'd argue, no, that's existing and that's horrible. And I'd rather, you know, if, if we have to go back to, if that is true, to, to living only till we're 65 or 70 years old, but we're able to, you know, run and do things and mm. we're living pain-free until we're 70, I'd rather have that than just existing till I'm 90. Yeah, I agree 100%. Going back to the very beginning of your story, um, when you described your mother being put on medication, um, it actually took me by surprise. I didn't expect to become emotional when you brought that up because I have heard your story before, but um, I think it's also just an interesting time to have this conversation considering the news that came out, what was it, a week ago, two weeks ago? About psychotropic medications. Yeah. SSRIs, yeah. <laughs> and that they're now saying that depression or mental illness is not caused by a chemical imbalance as we have been told for the last 20 years. And my brother was put on antidepressants about a year before he committed suicide. Oh, my goodness. And, um, yeah, it's, it's actually not something that I've spoken about at all publicly or even with friends or family, really. Um, it's just, I don't know, it's just been too much of a difficult conversation for me up until this point. Yeah. But when I saw that news last week, I was like, fuck, I really need to talk about this because yeah. – um, it's like such a taboo conversation where people get so triggered by it. They don't want to mm. hear that antidepressants can cause suicide, even though it's on the box. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, my brother told me before he died that his life had become a living hell since he'd been on this medication, that he couldn't do it anymore. And I thought he meant he was going to stop the medication but yeah um, yeah it's, know, it's it was just too much it's uh it's 
you know, I, I resonate with that so much and I'm, I'm so sorry about that because like, although my mom didn't succeed, there were several very dark moments of, you know, getting phone calls from a mental hospital that she had attempted again. And, you know, mm -hmm. they found her with a, you know, a, a bed sheet hanging from a, a rod in the ceiling and mm -hmm. she had failed. And I'm very thankful for that, but sort of brings up the question of how many people are impacted by the the known like you said it's on the box the known harmful implications of these yeah. products and the side effects and i don't even like calling them side effects i really feel that they are primary effects they are what these products do yeah maybe in some cases in an acute situation they are they could possibly be useful but i'd even argue against that but again this this is a symptom of the entirety of allopathic medicine in that they only address the symptoms without getting to the root of what is leading someone to feel that they need these products like what leads someone to feel that they need to change their mental state there's something inside of them that they you know a trauma that they're suppressing something that they don't want to look at that someone did to them or that they did to someone else and we need to be addressing those things and we're not we're we're you know pretending that all of that is irrelevant inconsequential and then we're treating the symptoms yeah and i think even if um even if there's no major trauma that's happened to a person our lives as we live them today in modern society are just so broken yeah and so i think very often people feel like there must be something wrong with them because nothing major has happened to them in their lives yeah. to cause them to feel this way but they just no modern life is is broken. fundamentally disconnected from yeah. being a human being exactly like it is it is antithetical to being a human being so of course just like when you take you know a tiger out of the wild and put it in a zoo like they've done several studies on several different types of animals where they're um lifespan and their their vitality and their energy drastically plummets and it's because the way we are living as human beings in modern life like i said is the exact opposite of how human beings are supposed to live like it's ironic that you know and i'm thankful for a technology like this like you're in south africa right yeah and i'm in the middle of texas right now and we're able to connect in real time and it's like if we're to use these technologies let's use them for beneficial purposes like this but mm -hmm. like this is not how human beings are supposed to live and we're not supposed to be sitting at a desk eight hours a day working a nine-to-five job for an organization that we don't even support um that has some billionaire at the top who's sitting on all the money that is essentially like indentured servitude in many ways and you know disconnected from nature itself pushing us deeper into this synthetic lifestyle and it's that's why all of these diseases and and um especially on the mental side of things are popping up all over the place and proliferating yeah yeah and just that um lack of meaningful purpose in life i'm busy reading a book by professor matthias desmet and the one part talks about how our modern jobs lack any fulfillment or meaning because you're for your whole career you're chasing achievement but you never actually see the physical results of your work so unless you are an artisan or somebody who makes things with your hands 
and then you sell it to a person, you never see the end result, that mm -hmm. satisfaction of like having made something and then somebody buys it and it helps them or you see the appreciation on their face. Everything is so far removed. And so the only reward you get for your work is your salary, which is not really no. meaningful and purposeful. No, it's not. And yeah, that's where when I left the army, you know, I, I absolutely despised being in the army again, because I woke up to the truth about what the U S government uses the U S military for and the truth about nine 11 and all the things surrounding that and the wars that we fought. And I was really disgusted <laughs> at being in the army. And I, again, that's why I'm so thankful for a situation like COVID because and I know many people resonate with this. It, it, it pushed me deeper into authenticity to where I could no longer be a cog in the wheel of that machine that I didn't even support on a fundamental level or wasn't aligned with on a fundamental level. And now I am doing work that I'm aligned with, that I you know, am inspired to do, that I feel a passion for, that I um, am able to actually generate creative ideas and thoughts and have brilliant conversations like this with people from all over the world and really help other people do the same. And if, uh, you know, there's anything anyone can take away from this, that's still sitting in a nine to five job, it is absolutely worth the risk to leave it. If you are stepping deeper into your own authenticity, like without question, if you are unable to express your authentic self, if you are unable to, you know, do work that is in alignment with your soul and with your actual passions, then you are slowly but surely killing your spirit and killing yourself in the process. And your, your health is everything. Your state of wellness, your, your ability to be still and present is everything. And if you don't have that because of the job you're in or for or a relationship you're in and you don't feel authentically pulled to stay in it, it's not worth it to do so. You, you've yeah. got to leave it. You've got to leave it. You've got to take the leap of faith and, um, and know that it'll all work out and that the universe is working for you. Yeah, that's such a powerful message. And I agree 100%. I love the fact that you took a situation which many people would describe as only negative and you turned it into such a positive. And my experience in my own life has been that the, the most quote unquote horrible experiences, the toughest times of my life have only brought me closer to who I really am and who I want to be. And so now when I look back at those experiences, I'm grateful for them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the first one was leaving my marriage. I'm going through divorce, which was, really tough and quite traumatic. Um, but I was like the way that you described some people being in that job, that's just killing their soul. That was my marriage for me. I just felt dead inside. Mm. And then the second one, only a year and a half later was when um, my brother killed himself. Mm. And um, that moment for me, I know you mentioned it just now where you, you became disillusioned with everything while you were in the army, but you were still sort of like half in half out. I had a very different experience of, um, I literally felt like I found out my brother died 
And I went into this um, like fugue state for a couple of days. Obviously, I just didn't know what was going on. And as, as I slowly came out of that, it was like I was seeing the entire world and my entire life through different eyes. And suddenly mm. nothing made sense. <laughs> I was like, how and why have I created this life? And yeah. why am I friends with these people? And yeah, so it was just this very immediate shift in perspective, um, mm-hmm. which very immediately pulled me back to my true essence, who I really am. And it made me see all the ways in my life in which I had stepped away from who I am. Yeah. So yeah, of course it was a really it was kind of it was kind of the same for me too. It was kind of the same for me too, in that like when when I um you know, did that introspective work and a lot of childhood trauma healing, mm. I got to a point where I was just like, who the fuck am I? Like, what am I doing? Like, why? I'm sorry, excuse my language, but like, why? No, like, cool. why am I friends? Same thing. Like, why am I friends with these people? Why do I do the things that I do? Like, do I really even authentically like these things? And it was really a beautiful process. And again, this was prior to me even you know, prior to COVID, prior to me, like really saying, okay, I need to leave this system and leave the U S military. But it was me picking up each of these layers I had put on my authentic self, right? Like who Alex Zek was born into this life as, right? We have all these layers of conditioning impressed upon us, either via the school system, via our, our traumatic experiences, via what our parents tell us, you know, all these situations in our life and for the first time i was able to then pick up each of those layers look at it for what it is and say is this authentically for me do i actually enjoy this does this bring me peace in my life do i really like this thing do i really like this relationship do i really like this person and look at it for what it is and if it didn't throw it out and if it did put it back on like it was it was me looking at each aspect of my life and saying is this in alignment with who i truly am because i had that point where i was like i don't know who the fuck i am so what do i really i had to feel into each area of my life and say is that really what i want to do does this feel true to me does this feel in alignment with me and that's how i've you know come to be who i am right now and i'm on this journey of really trying to um not self-identify with the things that I learn, the things that I experience, the things that I believe and the things that I perceive, but rather self-identify with the process of learning, of perceiving, of believing, of experiencing. Because when you are identified with the process itself, you will not feel the, the egoic pull to be attached to one certain set of beliefs or perceptions or experiences, and you will be open to a continual pursuit of truth. It's when we self-identify with any of those things that brings about harm, whether that's physical, mental, or emotional harm or spiritual harm in our life. It's when we're attached to any one of those things. And that's the you know, journey that I've been on especially in the last year of, of just continual aligning myself with, um, with the processes rather than the, the substance or the material itself. I, I don't even know if that relates to what I said before, but it sort of popped up in my mind. No, I really sure. love that. I think it's such an important point to share. And 
you know, like that process that you described of going through each part of your life and deciding, is this really for me or not? Um, you know, that's a process that I've been through as well. And I think it's such, I count it as such a privilege that I've been able to go through that process because I think many people live their whole lives never really looking at that, mm. getting to the end of their lives and, and not really ever having lived authentically. I always remind myself, especially with what we've been through over the last two years with the whole COVID thing, I think it's really important. And I think this is a skill that the vast majority of people don't have the ability for is to be able to hold two opposing ideas in your mind at one time. Yeah. To be able to say, this is what I think. This is what I believe. This is what I feel. But maybe I'm wrong. So let me look at it from this other person's perspective, from the other side. Let me try that on, see how that feels. Let mm -hmm. me explore those ideas. And can you then hold those two ideas? And then see, do I really, was my, was my first judgment right? Or maybe was I wrong? And do I need to change mm. my mind? Because I know for myself, I've changed my mind on certain things over the years as I've learned more. Like, uh, let's say, for example, what good nutrition is. I mean, I think that's something everybody can relate to because there's so much, we're bombarded with information the whole time about what's healthy to eat or not eat. Yep. And then, you know, at a certain stage, I went vegan and then I was raw and, <laughs> and now I've like come full circle and now I'm eating like raw grass-fed dairy again and I'm eating meat. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, so if I can go from me. that one extreme to that other extreme, then it now makes me think every time if I find myself identifying too much with this one decision or this one aspect of my life, I'm just like, brain, you don't know. You know, five years from now, you might feel differently about that, or you might learn something new that changes your mind on it. So even though you know, there you know what's so crazy about that too, sorry to just interrupt you, yeah. is that like when you are truly um, operating in a position that is open to being wrong on what you currently perceive and believe, right? That leads you down the depths of you know any specific rabbit hole on that topic, right? Yeah, to where you actually may have found some fundamental truths within that topic mm -hmm. that others may not have found. And then it is hard because you've gone to the depths of that topic and explored it so heavily, not to self-identify with that thing at the bottom. Does that make sense? It's like, yes, because it you've been so, yeah, it's, it's so tough. And I, there, I mean, you could apply so many things to that, but yep. like the thing that comes up for me is, is, is terrain versus germ theory is like when someone first approached me saying, Hey, there's, you know, evidence that viruses don't exist. I was like, that sounds fucking insane, but let's look, I don't know, maybe I could be wrong. And then the more that I've gone down that and, you know, throughout cognitive dissonance here, cognitive dissonance here, but what about this? Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm just going to continue to be open to this, you get to the depth and the bottom and you realize, Oh my God, this really is like fundamentally flawed. And it's like, I want people to know that this is fundamentally flawed, but then communicating that without self-identifying with it. It's just like dance that you do forever, you know? Yes. I think dance is a good word because it's like this, this continual reminding oneself to not now self-identify with the new information yes. and yes. not get too attached to it because it might still not be the complete picture. <laughs> we might yeah, still not exactly. be understanding it's, it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like even just a quick point because it's, you know, on the top of my mind and I know you follow what I say. So it seems to be always on my mind lately, but like the, the piece of contagion, like I think a lot of people within, um, within the terrain camp, 
deny that contagion is a real phenomenon. And that's where it's like, as I started to self-identify with that camp, I was, I found myself doing the same, like, oh no, you know, there's definitely not something happening when two or more people get sick in the same space. It's all, you could all chalk it all up to toxins, individual trauma or malnutrition. I'm like, mm. no, the more that I sit with it authentic, authentically, it's like, no, there's, there's something there that maybe we just haven't explored yet and we need to continue exploring. And again, we as a collective, you know, if we're going to call it that a train camp need to not self-identify with that because it is hindering our ability to explore that topic topic more deeply. Let's talk about health freedom for humanity. How um, did you come to the decision to start that? Obviously, the pandemic was a whole major catalyst for that. Yeah, for sure. So um, in late 2020, I had connected with a number of I freaking hate using this term, but it is what it is. Influencers on social media. <laughs> uh, just like I, anytime I think of the term influencer, I think of like some dude dancing with like a dangly cross earring. I don't know if you know what the term fuck boy is, but yeah, that's like what I think of an influencer. <laughs> what an image. <laughs> yeah. But um, anyway, I have a different so, image, but the same reaction to the word. Influencer. Yeah. You know what I, you know what yeah. I mean though? You know what I mean? Okay. So, Hey guys, please subscribe to my channel. Yeah. Um, but uh, I had connected with other, you know, holistic health influencers and advocates, doctors of all types. And uh, I saw these two organizations that existed, uh, Children's Health Defense and, um, and ICANN, Dell Big Trees organization. I sort of looked at those as like a pyramidal structure that wasn't very grassroots, not saying they're not doing important work because they are, but they, they weren't grassroots in nature. And another thing is that the health freedom space in general had this outside perception and sometimes internal perception that it's only super far right-leaning QAnon supporting Trump, you know, people that are interested in health freedom. And that's just like not true whatsoever. Like myself and a lot of the people that I, you know, relate to that could see through the bullshit actually came from what could be traditionally known as the left. And I've never voted in my life, although I was, you know, I shared on Facebook here and there that I supported democratic socialism. And that's like a whole nother rabbit hole. I'm very much voluntarist slash anarchist now, libertarian minded. Mm -hmm. But um, the point is that that's simply not true, that it's only super far right leaning, you know, Trump supporters that care about health freedom. And I wanted to show that it really was a movement comprising people from all walks of life, all races, religions, socioeconomic backgrounds, political affiliations, um, that that cared about this and so a few of us got together and decided to make this organization and in january of 2021 we launched and it sort of exploded and then we've dealt with i think more censorship than any organization i've i, I know of um we've been deleted from instagram youtube our email marketing platform uh paypal um what else twitter the only one we haven't been deleted from that's like a mainstream platform that I know of is Facebook, but we've been, you know, disabled on Facebook several times. So it's a, uh, it's been a journey and our, our mission is to educate, empower, and unite people from all walks of life under one common purpose, the reclamation defense of health freedom. And then we define health freedom in two ways. It's the right to choose what is best for your own health without coercion or force, of course. And then the second one, and this is equally, if not more important, 
the right to know and access what produces and maintains mind, body, spirit, wellness. And that's because as an organization, yes, like frontward facing, we're called health freedom for humanity, but we've sort of created this second definition for health freedom to incorporate other areas that we hold to be equally important that are fundamentally based in solutions for your life to maintain mind, body, spirit, wellness. And that allows us to, you know, discuss common law and, and true like lawful remedy and sovereignty in that realm. And also allows us to discuss re regenerative agriculture and the importance mm -hmm. of uh, growing our own food and um, consciousness and, and all of these other things rather than what is traditionally known as health freedom. And for the past four months, we've been developing a donation-based membership platform that will have courses that will have a, uh, what we're calling the freedom finder. It's a business and holistic health or freedom oriented doctor, uh, geolocator where you'll be able to put in your zip code and it'll populate businesses and organizations near you that are aligned with our mission as an organization. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be doing specifically topic tailored live stream events on a quarterly basis. Like we'll have one on, uh, a live stream event on EMF mitigation where we bring in experts on that. And then three months later, another one on, um, you know, plant-based nutrition for people who are into that. And then three months later and one on animal based or ancestral eating. And yeah, we're, we're really just focused on educating, empowering and uniting people. And that's like authentic. That's, that's what we do. And we have chapters in 19 States and in three countries and our, uh, only hindrance to growth aside from censorship is the financial piece. And I'm, no, we're not in a horrible position. It's just that we're, we're a 501c3 and we don't solicit, solicit donations heavily. We just mm -hmm. want people to give what they can. And um, yeah, that's, that's who we are and that's what we're doing. And we have a lot of awesome. really cool things with our donation-based membership on the horizon. That's really cool. I love how all-encompassing that is. Because I think um, a lot of people might have a perception if they have heard about Health Freedom for Humanity at all, that it's just about protesting the no, injection. We don't do any of that. <laughs> yeah, actually, quick point on that. There are several health freedom organizations out there that, you know, let, let me preface this by saying this, what I'm about to say, this has a place sometimes. But there are several health freedom organizations out there that are focused on legislation and, you know, petitioning the government, asking the government for permission, pleading mm -hmm. with the government, you know, doing all those things. And that is okay. But what we are focused on as an organization is helping people understand regardless of what happens over there, you are fundamentally free right now already just by virtue of existing, you've just been conditioned to believe that you aren't and you need to break through that conditioning and express your own freedom that is inherent to you. So yes. that's sort of our position as an organization. And yeah. I think it brings a, a different flavor into the health freedom space. It does, because otherwise you're forever going to be protesting and petitioning and begging to be able to live the way that you want to live, whereas you could just start now. You could just do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is, <laughs> this is a great point. And, um, I always use this example, the, uh, the trucker convoy in Canada that, you know, exploded across the globe, everyone or, or the plane of existence, whatever this is globe plane. I don't know, but, um, it, the, the trucker convoy that was great 
in that it showed lots of unity. It drew attention to the nonsensical, inhumane, tyrannical vaccine requirements. But if those, you know, 500,000 people that were a part of that simply just banded together in their local communities and said, hey, we don't acknowledge the authority of this anymore at all, and we're going to choose to live our lives as free men and women, they wouldn't have had to go through all that trouble. And really, if everyone made that decision, everyone who, again, going back to authenticity, everyone who authentically did not want to comply with the nonsense and stopped, if, if they just simply stopped viewing these false pseudo authority figures as legitimate authorities in their lives and simply said, no, that's not for me. I'm not going to do that. Like, you don't have to be belligerent. You don't have to be hostile. You don't have to, you know, plead or ask for permission. You just simply said, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to choose to do this instead. If everyone who authentically wanted to do those things simply just did it, just decided to be authentic, none of the last two and a half years would have happened. And none of this would continue to happen if we just simply chose to be real, be authentic and express the freedom that is inherent to us. Yeah. I think, that's um, it. That's the episode. See you guys. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> Don't need to say anything else. You know what I mean though? Like I look at those things and it's like, they're great, but there's, there's an easier way, like easier in that the only thing that, that is, that is, that makes it hard is the resistance inside yourself to truly be authentic. That's it. That's the only thing that makes it hard is, is that coming to understand that the reason these situations keep happening in our lives, the reason this continues individually and collectively, whether that's like a relationship to another man or woman that you don't authentically want to be in or your job or what's going on in the world, is, is understanding that you are doing that to yourself, that there's a piece of you that there's still fear inside of you that you are attached to that is allowing this to manifest in reality. It is you first. The only one holding you back from freedom is you. It's not the government. It's not your job. It's not this. It's not that. It's not that individual. It is you. Yes, they're, they're, they're going to prey off of your um, fear-based decisions and use those against you, mm. but ultimately it is your decision. It is you continuing to consent to it. It is you continuing to be inauthentic and choosing that over choosing authenticity and choosing to express the freedom that is inside of you. Yeah, and I think to bring up the points of fear is really good because whenever a decision is made out of fear, it's not likely to be a good one. Whereas nope. when you're, you're making your decisions based on love, it completely changes the entire tone and the energy of it. So I think um, so many people that are stuck in this mindset that we're seeing so much of, it's either fear of this virus um, which has been all of the brainwashing and the propaganda, or if it's not that, and the, and this one sort of frustrates me more, is people that are complying because, not because they want to or because they think it's right, but because 
um, they don't want to deal with the consequences of not complying. So they have this fear of separation, really, fear of yeah. being an outcast, fear of not being able to live the life that they want to, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah. rather than making those decisions out of fear, you should be making decisions in love, love for yeah. yourself, your freedom, for your health, for your family's health, for the and life reality, that you want to live. One hundred percent. And sorry to interrupt. I just like got excited about this because I look at, um, you know, cancel culture and 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 censorship, like both of those, in that when someone says something that you disagree with you're can like canceling them and th what that creates is more people who share that same perception are too scared now to speak authentically on their perception yeah all you're doing is creating the illusion that everyone you know agrees with you <laughs> that's all you're doing when you're canceling other people or or censoring other people you're creating an illusion it's not truth you're creating a false reality rather than holding space for and and opening and and um you know supporting and, and really promoting that people share and act and behave authentically so long as they do not impose their perceptions whatever else onto me physically right like i would yes. say the, the, there's some nuance when it comes to the emotional and like verbal piece of it because what people would consider <laughs> hate speech in some ways or consider like you know label someone as a domestic terrorist for simply saying like hey i think people should grow their own food and probably not inject themselves with the carcinogenic substances made by perpetually um criminal organizations some people would consider that hate speech so that like putting the emotional and and, and verbal piece aside it's that as long as someone is not directly imposing their will upon me we should all be encouraging each other to be as authentic as we possibly can because again when you're censoring or canceling someone you're just creating the illusion that you're creating a false reality that yeah. other people are all in agreement with you when that's really not the case and that's again just deepening the lie and deepening the lie of separation whereas like consciousness god universe whatever you want to call it god is fundamentally love love is truth truth is open truth is is sharing who you authentically are in this present moment in this reality it's not you know coercive manipulative canceling all those things even mm -hmm. if it's something that you disagree with or something that's hard for you to hear as as a man or a woman it's it's truth and it's being open yeah i mean as you described how heavily health freedom has been censored I don't understand how anyone cannot ask the question, but why? If, yep. if what you're saying is rubbish, just let you go and do what you want to do. Why, why the need to censor it? Further, why the need to censor an organization that is fundamentally focused on uniting people from all walks of life and simply saying that everyone has the right to choose what is best for themselves? Yeah. We're not aggressive. We're not hostile. We're not, you know, attacking the government. We're simply saying that everyone has freedom inherent to them and everyone should be uniting mm -hmm. and holding space for each other to have our own authentic perceptions and, and beliefs and share them. And, you know, that's considered threatening. Why is that? It's a little weird. Because it's such a dangerous idea because that is, is what will idea. undo the current status quo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Dangerous in the best way. <laughs> Dangerous in the in the best way. Yeah. Exactly.
Is there anything else that you would like to share? The last thing I'd like to share is that, um, yeah, if, if, if you feel it in your heart to, to donate or become a member of our organization, we, we sincerely appreciate it. We have so many things that we're working on that are going to be tailored towards offering people specific solutions that they can implement in their life, whether that's how to actually practice common law in reality, how to grow your own food, regardless of your situation. If you only have a backyard, if you don't have a backyard and you only have a balcony, we're going to be tailoring content specifically towards solutions and have courses that we're developing on those solutions in all the aspects that I laid out earlier. And the six pillars of our organization from here forward will be consciousness, community and community will be information pertaining to unschooling, homeschooling and voluntarism land, which will be regenerative agriculture and growing your own food and uh, everything in, in that realm regarding like the physical land law, which will be information on natural and common law, health, freedom and informed consent as the fifth pillar, and then wellness and vitality as the sixth pillar. So those are the six things that our organization will be focusing on starting in September and we'll be launching our donation based membership platform then and there's a lot of really cool things that we that we'll have on the horizon so please uh just sign up for our newsletter for now and that's healthfreedomforhumanity.org forward slash newsletter cool i'll put all of that in the show notes as well but I, i'm just loving those six pillars you know that's everything that we should be educating ourselves on and should be educating our kids on and it's the type of things that for so many years I've been saying, this is what they should be teaching in schools, but I'm slowly starting to realize that there's a reason why they don't teach it in schools. <laughs> 100%. Because that would give us way too much autonomy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, in schools, they're crafting us to be obedient, to blindly outsource to an external authority, to deny our own observations, experiences, and intuition. And uh, that's a fundamental aspect of why we're where we are today. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much, Alec. Thank I you appreciate your time. I appreciate your perspective and the work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rain. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed it, please like, share with your family and friends, and subscribe on whichever platform you're listening. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at rain.dun or email me on rain at raindun.com.